We're going to get into the kingdom of God. Well, we're actually already in the kingdom of God. But you know what I mean. We're going to get into the next part about the kingdom of God. Who's been enjoying looking at the kingdom of God? I think people must have because I've actually had more response in the last month to my speaking to what I've had over the last six years. Normally I only hear if people didn't like what I said. No, just kidding. But the last, um, the last, uh, few, the last few weeks, people have been really, um, really stirred up as we look at the kingdom of God. So we're going to do that again today. So Father, we just thank you for what you have already done for us. And Lord, we want to pray today that we would continue to get revelation upon revelation upon revelation that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would come to a, a greater understanding. Father, where things need to be unveiled, that they would be unveiled. God, give us a clearer picture of your kingdom, and Lord, uh, Lord, and about what you've already done for us. And Lord, help us to live from that place. Help us to live from the truth of what you've already done. Help us to live in the fullness of the kingdom of God here on earth, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hands up who I enjoyed last week. Oh, Saturday for me, Saturday was actually like, I was like, Saturday was like, oh, um, that, that's, that's, that's not downplaying anything else. But, you know, I couldn't help but thinking, you know, when Wes was talking about uh, the glory of God and how can you describe the glory of God, that he was sharing how, you know, it's like when he's got young kids, for those that were there and remember he was saying that they would go and see the fireworks and the fireworks were going off i mean back in my day everyone had access to fireworks and there was a fireworks night in may or something down in tassie something like that and we used to be setting off fireworks everywhere and you knew it was on because it was in your letter boxes it was over your back fence people would throw them on your house i mean it was just like fireworks but anyway but so there's not too many fireworks nowadays. I didn't do anything too naughty except put some um, fireworks in someone's letterbox and blew it up once. That's about, uh, yes, I did do that. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I used to like to throw them down the drain because they used to make these really big noises down the drain. But anyway, I'm just, I was a teenager. I was a teenager too. I, I was a teenager too. Anyway, so... Um, Wes was talking about how taking, taking kids to the fireworks and how the, the children's eyes would light up. Look at that one, Dad. Look at that one. Look at that one. And Wes is going, oh, man, I've got to get into the car so we can get out of this traffic jam so we can go home. You see, the eyes of the kids were seeing stuff that to him was like, oh, yeah. And he was relating that to us with God and the glory of God and, you know, and how we need to come back to a childlike faith that that we would see God in all his glory and his splendor. We're like, wow, 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 rather than, oh, ho-hum, um, what's the time? We've got to get out of here. If we're all honest, we can be a little bit like that from time to time. And so our prayer is, God, just refresh us, renew us, restore us, open the eyes of our hearts again. Fan, fan into flame that first love again. It's a bit like that with the kingdom. We can think we know what the kingdom of God is. We can read passages on kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before. 
But yet Jesus said that there would be a people that see but do not see, and they hear but they do not hear. And I don't know about you, but I think that is much of the church in our nation, that we see but we don't really see. We're not perceiving and we're hearing, but we're actually not receiving in a way that we understand. Is that fair? And so our prayer is, God, that we would not just see, but we would see. We wouldn't just hear, but we would hear in a way that we understand and then live it. Because that's what hearing is, not just in one ear and out the other. That's not hearing. Hearing is that I actually understand it, and now it actually starts to um, change me from the inside out, so I actually start to walk differently. Did you know there's a truth? Well, it's pretty much a truth, I think, that everyone can sing. No, it's actually true. It, it actually is true. They, you know those choir of high hopes that they have around the nation? People from destitute backgrounds, drug backgrounds, alcohol backgrounds, all kinds of backgrounds, they come and they form a choir out of them. And what they did in the study was that they realized that, that, that the key to being able to sing is the ability to listen. That is the truth. We'll just let that. It's the ability to hear that causes our pitch to come into alignment. So when you say, I can't sing, maybe you need to say, help me to listen. To listen to the tune, to listen to the sound, and you will come into alignment. It's the same with the kingdom. Lord, help me to, to hear. Help me to listen. That I would come into alignment with your right order. Amen. You know, it's, we've looked at this passage before, but it's, it's the ability to see, isn't it? In 2 Kings 6, when Elisha was, was there, it says, When the servant of the man, from verse 15... 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an, an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. And he asked Elisha, Oh, my master, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Amen. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around. We see so much in the natural, but we do not see enough in the spiritual. We do not see the angels. We do not see the chariots. We do not see the things that God wants us to see. And, it's, and, and, and I'm saying, Lord, open our eyes that we would see. Because if we really began to see, all of a sudden doubt, fear, unbelief would start to fade because we would know that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And just as Jesus overcame the world, that we too overcome. Amen? It's like, it's like those on the road to Emmaus that Liz shared when we were in Alice Springs a few weeks ago. They're walking with Jesus all that time. And there was even a stirring in their hearts, but they couldn't see it. And so often Jesus is walking with you in the midst of something, but you just can't see it. 
And we need to say, Lord, open my eyes that I would see. In every circumstance, in every situation, open my eyes, Lord, that I would see. Amen? Because God is aligning, God is restoring things right now, which is why we've always needed to keep soft hearts, open hearts, pliable hearts, humble hearts on the floor in worship today. I just felt that go lower, go lower, go lower. And you think, how much lower can we go? But you realize that there's more. But God is aligning things. And so today I want to just speak on two points, not three, but two, because I tend to go a bit long with three. So we're going with two, is that right? The first one's a carryover from a couple of weeks ago. We spoke about that the kingdom is marked by generosity, amen? I just really felt we needed to go back into that. The Spirit of God was stirring some things. Because the king, kingdom people are marked by faith, not fear. Amen? Kingdom people are marked by faith, not fear. And yet the enemy is doing everything he can to put fear in you. Through the media, through the circumstances, through the narratives, through the things that are happening around the world, even to end times teaching and end times events, he can still put fear in you. Because you have a fear of what is going to come, a fear of what may happen. It's fear, fear, fear. But a kingdom people are not marked by fear, but by faith. And it is my prayer that our faith muscle would grow more and more and more and more, that we would be known as a people of faith. Amen? You see, fear is a spirit. It's not just a concept. It's a spirit. And we know from the Word of God, and you know this verse very well if you've been around long enough, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But He's given you one of power, one of love, and a sound mind. And you can declare that over yourself maybe every day until you get the revelation of it. We thank you, God, that by your spirit, I have a spirit of power, I have love, and I have a sound mind. Amen? A power. What is the power? The power, the grace of God to overcome. His power made manifest to overcome. The love. His love, it says in 1 John 4, His love casts out all fear. There is no place for fear in love. This says the one who fears is not yet made perfect in love. And a sound mind to guard against the enemy. Speaking kinds of lies and things into you. A sound mind to guard against double-mindedness. A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. Amen? So when Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, which is his right way of living, which is a kingdom order, which is a kingdom alignment. He actually meant it. He actually meant what he said after that, which says, and he will give you everything or he will provide all your needs. You do not have to worry about clothing, about food, about these things. You, don't, you do not need to worry about those things. That doesn't mean we just sit back in a chair and expect everyone to do everything for us because that is not kingdom order. 
That is not righteousness. That, that is not right way of living. God said that, that He will look after us in every way if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? And God is true to His Word in absolutely every way. As I mentioned before, He is a good, good Father. That's who He is. He's a good Father. He gives good gifts to His children. And you know, we always need to keep reminding ourselves because sometimes the enemy will come in and make you think that God is not good because something just happened to you. But God is always good. So the question is, where is our treasure? Because if we're in Matthew 6 about the kingdom of God, we go back a few verses. Do you remember what's verses? Jesus is still speaking the narrative on the Sermon of the Mount. And he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? It's meant to be Jesus. We're meant to seek first the kingdom of God. If we don't seek first the kingdom of God, we will start to operate in fear. Because we'll think we won't have enough. There's not enough. I'm going to miss out. There's lack, lack, lack. Whether that's in love, whether that's in food, whether that's in provision, whatever, we will see lack. And we all have moments, don't we, when we're faced with things. I was, I was recounting with someone last week when, you know, when we were you know, planning to come to Bundaberg. I had some anxiety, which I don't really get anxious for anything. But for some reason, I was just, I, I was really anxious. There was, there was like anxiety over the decision. But in the, but, but in the end... Do we allow anxiety to turn into fear that paralyzes us? Do we allow anxiety to turn into fear that paralyzes us? Or do we operate in faith? Amen? And that is a choice right there and then. Do we, do we allow fear to paralyze us? Or do we allow faith to actually cause us to make a decision? And we have those moments throughout our, maybe even our weekly life let alone in the bigger decisions where we have a chance for fear or faith to reign. I just want to think about some verses of the kingdom because it says in Matthew 11 verse 12 that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay a hold of it. You know, from, from, from there to now and tomorrow and beyond, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And I think we need to remind ourselves of that. Because if you turn the news on, you'll probably think, oh, well, I don't know about that. But it is actually a truth. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And the Lord is looking for a people who will operate in faith to take a hold of it. 
That's what the forceful man laying a hold of it is. People who are operating in faith to actually lay a hold of it and go, no, no, you, you know what? It doesn't matter what is happening around us. There are greater things that are yet to come. There are greater things that are still to be done in this city. Is there an amen? In Hebrews 12, which we've looked at lately, that we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth, God said, but thankful that we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But you know, the the shaking does show us where our feet are. Doesn't it? When something happens in life and we get shaken, we soon learn whether we are really seeking first the kingdom of God or whether we put our feet on something else. And then in Matthew 16, we read these, this verse in uh, verse 19, Matthew 16. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth, will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. But that was on the back of verse 18. Funnily enough, verse 19 comes after verse 18. There's There's a truth for you. And I say, this is what Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock. Now, Peter wasn't the rock. I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but that's where the Catholic Church gets it wrong. It is the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God that is the rock. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Therefore, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And what is loosed on earth will be already been loosed in heaven. What is allowed in heaven is allowed on earth. And what is not allowed in heaven is not allowed on earth. And it is the back of that Jesus said, I will build my church. Well, if we can't establish the truth on that, then we might as well go home. When the census comes out and says, oh, the church in Australia is getting smaller and smaller. No, it's not. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. Maybe we're just starting to find out who who are really born again, spirit-filled believers, and who just took a name but weren't really. There's so much encouragement in Scripture about overcoming about more than conquering. There's so much encouragement. But the enemy's trying to put fear in you. And it's time for us as kingdom people to say no to fear and yes to God. Is there an amen? No to fear and yes to God. Because that's the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of God. We are not to be marked by fear, but we're to be marked by faith. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Can't. Every tongue that's spoken against you is refuted and turned back. Every tongue. Because that's your heritage as the sons and daughters of God. Amen. We just need to get into the Holy Spirit gym. We need to build up our faith muscles. We need to build up our trust muscles. We need to build up our belief muscles. We need to build them up. Because you know what? As I said a couple of weeks ago, the government doesn't have the answer. 
we have the answer. The government is upon his shoulders, Jesus. We actually have the answer. The church is actually meant to be at the forefront. That is why our nation is where it is, because the church over the last decades has retreated into a room and just run little programs and had little holy huddles, but have never been living the message of the kingdom of God. Amen? Well, it's time for us to reclaim the ground. It's time to us as li- to live as sons and daughters of the King, as royalty, and to see His kingdom come and His will be done. Amen? The second point today is the kingdom is the culture of heaven. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the culture of heaven. Because where Jesus is king, His kingdom manifests. And there's a culture. There's a culture of heaven. And this is where I think we get caught. That often we accept Jesus into our life and we just go on with life and we do our Christian thing from time to time, but we miss the fact that we're actually being born again from above. We are a new creation and the old has gone and the new has come. And we need to learn not to live anymore to the patterns of this world, but we need to learn to live according to the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And that is the way that we think, that is the way that we relate, that is in every facet of our life, there is a culture of heaven. Amen? Jesus came in Matthew 4, 23, it says, preaching, teaching, and healing every kind of sickness and disease. The kingdom of God has come, he said. He was preaching the kingdom, he was teaching the kingdom, and he was demonstrating the kingdom by driving out every sickness and disease. Is there an amen? We see that in Matthew 12. If I just flip over to Matthew 12, in verse 28. If I drive out demons, Jesus said, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You see, there's no demons in heaven. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's all right, Kathy hasn't. And in Matthew 10, when he sent out the 12, he said in verse 5, Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles. Don't enter any town of the Samaritans. Instead, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Did you know any revival starts in the church? Because the church gets a bit lost. Just as the Jews got lost and they had to go and preach the message of the kingdom, the church gets a bit lost. You look through the history of revivals, Zeus Street, um, Welsh Revival, the New England uh, Hebrides or Isle of Lewis one up in the back of Scotland, you, you know, South America, something happened amongst the believers. There was a, a manifesting of God's presence like not seen. And all of a sudden, something happened amongst the believers and the doors were open and the rivers just started to flood the streets. Who wants to see that? Oh, the Welsh Street, I just, I just, can you imagine people coming up to you? Well, not, well, that's if you're a policeman, you know. They, they come up to you and they confess a crime that they committed five years ago. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the pubs being empty? There's, 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 there's no one there on a Saturday night because there's no one in the pubs. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the reconciliation, the restoration? Can you imagine those things with me for a minute? Because that is the kingdom of God invading earth. So he says to them, sorry, I got sidetracked. Matthew 10. I got excited, did I? Okay. Big Kev, I'm excited. Can we get excited about God? Is that right? Instead, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you proclaim, uh, go, uh, as you go proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. You wait till you see our new trailer. I've just given a little hint away. Anyway, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Driving out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead. Is all demonstrating the kingdom of God, amen? That the kingdom of God has come near. But it's also a completely different way of living. The kingdom of God is also a completely different way of living. Which is why in Romans 12, Paul said we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Because it is a new way of living. It is a new way of thinking. It is a new way of seeing things, amen? It's the way we talk. It's the way that we relate. It's the way that we love. It's the way that we give and so much more. So a couple of little passages in Ephesians 4 is the first one, verse 22. Paul says to them, he says, take off your former way of life. It's what Rob was speaking about before. Take off those other clothes, take off those garments, take off your former way of life. The old self that is being corrupted by deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. We take off and we put on. In Colossians, he unpacks it a bit more to the church here. And he says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, that's the kingdom of heaven. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, but set your minds on where Christ is at, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. For you died. Who died? Come on, who died? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Are we right? We died. And our life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, don't you love that? When Christ, who is your life, not when Christ, who is a part of your life, but when Christ, who is your life, appears. you will also appear with him in glory. 
Therefore, on the knowledge that we have been raised with Christ, we are now seated at the right hand of God, that our thoughts are now on heavenly things, not on earthly things, on the, on the truth that we have died and, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Should we list them? Sexual immorality, put it to death. Impurity, put it to death. Lust, put it to death. Evil desire, put it to death. Greed, which is idolatry, put it to death. Because of these things, God's wrath is going to come upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these, you once walked in these things when you were living them, but now I tell you, put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old self with its practices. You see, there was a bit of a mixture going on here. They were put off, but yet there was still this stuff happening, which is why Paul had to address it. Why are you still doing this when you've actually put off the old self and you've put on Christ? The greatest danger that we can have I'm just going to get sidetracked for a minute. Is that all right? The greatest danger that you can have is when you sin and feel nothing. Oh. Because that means you've got a hard heart. I don't want anyone to have a hard heart. You know, when you do something and you walk away and you go, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. And you feel the Holy Spirit just... The worst thing is when you don't feel it. That's a worry. To me, that's why we, that's, that's a, a, a clear barometer when you need to say, Lord, return me to my first love. Because my heart has obviously grown cold. Is that okay? He goes on to say, here he he reminds them that you are being renewed. There is a process here. Sanctification is being outworked here. There's a process. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. He goes on to say, therefore, as God's chosen ones, we need to, you need to remind yourself that you are a chosen one. Amen? Holy and dearly loved. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good father? He's like, he... He, he starts the passage by telling them the truth of who they are and what Christ has done for them. Then he deals with the nitty-gritty, going, what are you guys doing, still doing some of these things when you put it off? And then he clothes it by saying, you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. <laughs> That's a good father. Encouragement, deal with the issue, bit more encouragement. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, 
and bear with one another and forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. We need to remember what Jesus said in John 18, verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Amen? My kingdom is not of this world. Governments, principalities, powers have nothing over the kingdom of God. That is why Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because even in the process of living for Christ, and, 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 and if we die, we gain, we win. We need to remind ourselves in John 3.3 3, that we have been born again from above. And we probably need to remind ourselves of the words in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You see, they were still thinking worldly. Who's the greatest? You know, there were several times when they had the pyramid structure in their mind. Who's the greatest? Who's the, who's the one that's going to take over from you, Jesus? Who's the one? And he had to remind them, in another passage, when they were breaking bread, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Well, here he says to that question, he called a child and I had him stand among them. Truly I tell you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child this is the one, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not about being high and mighty. It is, it is about being lowly and contrite. To allow His love, His grace, His mercy... His forgiveness to flow through you into other people's lives. We've all got a sphere of influence that we can touch. Amen? So let us remind ourselves today that we've been born again from above. We've been rescued from the domain of darkness. And we've been brought into the kingdom of the Son whom He loves. There's a party right there. And by the Spirit of God, we learn to live differently. Not working towards something, but learning to live from what Christ has done. We looked at that a few weeks ago. The enemy will always want to try to get us to think like we have to work towards something. But we don't work towards, we work out our salvation. Amen. We're working it out, aren't we? The moment that we are born again from above, we are sons, but we're just learning to become how to become sons. We're learning to live out our sonship. The moment that Nick, the moment that Josh, the moment that Malachi, the moment that Rose, 
well, she's my daughter, but you know what I mean. They already were. But they learn how to live it out. And it's the same spiritually. If there's somebody here that's only been born again for a week, it's the same. You're in the beloved. You're a son of God. You're just learning out how to live out our sonship. To see his kingdom come and his will be done. That's our mandate. Everything's tied up in that. And I've seen in my prayer life, I can only speak for myself as I've been praying, I can see things that are out of alignment that need to come into alignment. And it has to happen in us. It has to happen in the church because we cannot affect other areas of society if we are not in alignment with God. We want the full flow, don't we? We don't want pipes only half meeting each other. We want it to be connected so we get the full flow. Being spirit-filled is not just about signs and wonders. It is about signs and wonders. It absolutely is about signs and wonders. That's a demonstration of the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely good, freely you've received, freely give. But it's not just about that. It's about the fruit of our lives. It's about our marriages. It's about our families. It's about our relationships. That is also the kingdom of God. For where the king is exalted, the kingdom manifests. I took a wedding yesterday. It was strange because it wasn't an openly Christian wedding. And I said, well, I better but I wouldn't be doing it unless I could actually bring some of Jesus into it. But it's strange when a husband and wife come together and don't acknowledge Jesus. We need to acknowledge Jesus in everything. In absolutely everything. I want to just close with this verse of Scripture today. From Isaiah 66. Because the shakings reveal where our hearts are at. You know, when you get squeezed, what's on the inside comes out, doesn't it? You squeeze an orange, you get lemon juice, don't you? No, you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. You squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. You squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. It's the same in our life. When we get squeezed by life or the circumstances of life, whatever is on the inside comes out. This is what the Lord is asking of us. He says, this is from verse 1, this is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where could you possibly build a house for me? Just picture that for a minute. The one who spoke, the one who flung the stars into space, you know, all this stuff, so much. He, the, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Where could we build a house for him? It's a bit like what Wes was talking about the glory last week. The glory of God. How can we describe the glory of God? Well, where on earth could we build a house for God, the one who created everything? 
And where will my resting place be? Verse 2 says, this is the answer, My hand made all these things, and so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, the one who is humble and submissive in spirit and trembles at my word. He wants your heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. He wants your heart. We sing that song from time to time, don't we? The king of my heart. Let him be king. You know, we were talking the other day. Put it, if the music team wants to come forward, can the rest of us just close our eyes for a minute? I want you to picture something with me. Is, it, is that okay? So you need to close your eyes. You need to put away all distraction for a minute. See your life as a house. See your life as a house. Jesus has got the key to the front door. But every other door also has a lock on it. He comes in the front door. You've welcomed him into your house. He walks through the living area, maybe the kitchen. But for some reason, the dining room door is locked. He walks through your study, walks through your bedroom, but for some reason, one of the bedrooms is locked. We need to give him full access to every area of our life. He wants to remove everything that would hinder you. Everything. Let him be the king of our heart. Every area of our life, every area, our families, our marriages, our possessions, every area, our past, our present, our future, let it be every area. Every area. Just give him access to every area of your life. All the hurts, the shame, guilt, whatever the enemy's tried to put on you, give him access to it even right now. Right now. Say, Lord, I give you access to this area, whatever it is for you. Because Jesus wants us to know him. He wants us to know him in every way, in every situation. He is so good. He is king. And he is Lord.
Amen. When he has full access to your life, it's so freeing. It's so freeing. The enemy wants to make you think like there's going to be shame and guilt and all this stuff. But in fact, there's actually freedom. Amen. There's so many people that have given testimony to that. There was an area of their life. There was a, there was a circumstance. There was something that the enemy had on them. And the moment they gave it to God, they became free. Amen. That would be a good testimony Sunday. To get some people to share some of the things that people have shared with me. You're a son and daughter of the living God. We're going to speak the name of Jesus because we're a kingdom people. We want to come into alignment. We want Bundaberg to come into alignment. We want this nation to come into alignment. Don't we? So we speak the name of Jesus this morning over ourselves, our families, our lives, this city. Our God is a God of transformation. A God of transformation, a God of restoration. He's a God of revival. It's on His heart. It's, it's never not been on His heart. But He's looking for men and women who will actually believe what He says. The spirit of unbelief in the church it's time for it to be driven out. That we would take a hold of the revelation that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and allow Him to build His church. We use the keys of the kingdom in this city. Amen. I just want to speak.